Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a Tuesday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. Merely Bo and Gibbe here on what is becoming a rain-soaked Tuesday, my friend. A little brisk. I feel like the whole week. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I'm supposed to, supposed to have got a little golf, golf tomorrow, outing right? tomorrow. And, uh, boy, like last night I got home and my grass was almost dry. And I yeah. was like, okay, well, it's soaking in and we'll be good. It, not now, not, brother. Not great right now. Now there's some concern. <laughs> no. It is, it is pouring pretty good and has here all day. Yeah, it's been – it was nice this morning on the east side until probably – really, it was nice even when I left. It hadn't started raining yet. On the turnpike over is when I got – Really? It's when I first hit You guys hit got it. lucky. I was about – when I hit like 77 okay. at that point is when the rain – and then it was pretty rainy the rest of the way through. So, um, it, it's obviously headed that way. We just – we haven't had it yet. Um, did you watch last night? Were you interested in this? I did. I did up until I think it was just a few minutes into the third quarter I fell asleep. Okay. Um, do you remember – I know that you do. There was a – for the audience out there, there the uh, sports documentary uh, The Last Dance where, um, you know, telling the story of the Jordan titles with the Bulls and, and his time. They're incredibly popular. They had it in the can and it dropped during the pandemic. So it was like original content. My God, was, here's something no one's seen before. And it was awesome. It was great. It was really great. They had the kind of the unfiltered version and then the made-for-TV version. Um, and one of the things that they did in the series is they, in my opinion, they pumped up the t- opponents that Jordan was facing. My contention has been that he didn't beat a great team ever for a championship, that they were a bunch of good teams but not great teams, and that that time in the league – in the mid to late 90s when he was winning most of those titles, the early to the, most of the 90s, that the league was a little watered down, that it they added four expansion teams at that time. High school kids started coming into the league for the first time. Full European assants hadn't happened yet. There were a couple of guys here and there, but it was a, a big deal if they were over there. Um, and I think it backs up if you look at the teams that they played for championships. Well, there isn't it, one that was great. The, the NBA finals were the Eastern Conference finals. And you're patched sure. the Eastern Conference. Right, right. And even those, like the Knicks teams, and I guess this brings me to my point, um, they made a big deal out of like this Indiana team yeah. that they got by the last time. Um, and that Indiana team was fine. It had Mark Jackson and uh, Antonio Davis and Dale Davis and, of course, Reggie Miller. And in one of the early games of that series, um, in the final run of the, of the Jordan run, Reggie Miller hits a three at the buzzer. 
And all of us who were watching remember this immediately. This was before GIFs or social or anything, that the camera went to Larry Bird, and Larry Bird was stone-faced, emotionless. Like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, he's supposed to make that shot. He's supposed to make that shot. That's the way we drew it up. That's what I felt like watching Joker last night. So he, at the end of the game, he shakes hands with everybody from Miami. At one point, Gibby, he goes to find somebody who, and I've watched this whole series and much of the Eastern playoffs, I didn't even know who this guy was. He was deep on the Miami bench. You, the last guy he found? Yeah. The he guy's walking away. Him. Yeah. He pulled him yep. to, like, hug him, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. That guy didn't play. <laughs> Miami's played everybody. That guy didn't play, and he embraced him and hugged him and – Away they go. And then they get him on the mic, and Lisa Salters is, like, begging for some sort of emotion for him. She keeps trying to press him on what does this mean and all of this, and he's pretty flat with all the answers. And at one point he says, and this was the last thing he said to her, the job is done, we can go home now. Like, he just wants to go back to Serbia and race horses. That's the whole operation. Then the post game, yeah, they say, when's the parade? And he goes, Thursday, and he goes, oh. He just wants to go home. And he said it again. He goes, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. Yeah. Serbia must be a hell of a thing, man, because Denver, like Peyton Manning had no ties to Denver until he was traded there, and now he, like, set up shop. He resides. Yeah. He was always going to be in, you know, like the thinking was he was going to be in Nashville um, or something like that, and instead Denver. So Denver's a great town. And Jokic can't wait to get out of there. So I thought that was – it reminded me a little bit of Bird, how, like, well, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. He was crushed that that parade is Thursday. It really was. <laughs> head in hand. He put his head down. Head in hand. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I, I mean, do you, do, you, do you love the game? Do you not love the game? I think he loves it. I just think that for – I mean, this guy – you want to think about this from the perspective of – it's a second-round pick. He is a second-round pick. I started digging in on him. There's a quote from him in the pre-draft process where he said, they asked him about, like, basketball philosophy, and he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, essentially, it's pretty simple. If they don't guard me, I score. If they do guard me, I pass it. And that's kind of the, the approach to it. I think he's just very workmanlike in his approach. Um, and But it's pretty wild. Second, Think of all the things that have to happen for them to win a championship because for the majority of our life, Denver has been irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, really have been. The, the biggest moment was when Dukembe Mutombo and the eight seed upset the number one. They beat the Sonics. The Sonics were the one seed. I want to say that was in 94 or 5. Something like that. Yeah. Somewhere he, in there. Him laying down school. and holding up the ball. Yeah. And Dukembe Mutombo shaking the ball like that. Like, they had that. And then I'm not old enough to remember David Thompson, neither are you. Um, but you heard whispers about David Thompson and that he was Jordan's favorite player growing up. They had the Alex English teams in the 80s, but they were never really a threat for the for the Lakers, yeah. certainly. Um, and then they had Melo in, in 03, and they had some decent teams then, but never could get over the hump. Well, And I had to pull it up because I don't want to do it in an injustice, but Schefter tweeted out the moment that uh, Jokic was drafted. I don't know if you've seen it. I have. It's a Taco Bell commercial. It's so, in the middle of a commercial, and it pops yeah. up at the bottom. Current selection. <laughs> Just for perspective, like, I so I saw that. They're doing, like, a advertising some sort of Taco Bell yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a quesarito. Quesarito. One of my favorite things. It's off the menu, right? It's not It's not on the menu. Sad. What's a quesarito? What are you getting at? Uh, it, it, queso, steak. 
Okay. It it was it was still on the menu a few months ago. I have not seen it since. Okay. But it you know it's it's they flatten it down and okay. It, it's a burrito, but with queso in it and steak. Okay. It's it's very good. I All enjoy right. it. Very good. Uh, but he outlasted it. Yeah. Which is pretty remarkable. He will. He also feels like the answer to the trivia question of like latest round best player ever he's in a very short i mean it's like him and brady like montana was what a third or fourth round pick brady was yeah. a sixth like there's a few of those guys that just for some reason got missed and he's now on that list of like how did all these teams pass on this dude yeah but i and i guess i i don't know from an nba standpoint but i feel like a lot of money is devoted to uh, overseas oh my god scouting yeah. and whatnot so yeah, yeah I, I guess i can see that but i'm also like he was overseas i mean when was he drafted he's i want to say it was like 14 or 15 somewhere in there when he was drafted Let's he's see. still in there they're the overwhelming favorite to win it again yeah, he's 28 years old their whole team's in their prime they have some young guys who are not even Yet have yet to reach their prime. Second round pick number forty one in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I mean he makes thirty two million a year. It's it's not like he makes some crazy. Well, I number. don't think his number has. I don't think he's gotten like the big deal yet. No, I don't think so either. Because he'll get fifty or whatever. I mean, he's going to get that, whatever the max NBA is. That's what he's going to get whenever it's up. Um, fifth straight year of a new champion. Uh, you know, different. We champion talked a little bit year. about that yesterday. Yeah, and then if you go back, where no repeat champions, a different team every year, um, out of the league, first time for Denver in 42 years, reminded me of 16. Obviously, um, when you think about how long you wait, Denver's obviously won other things. They've won Super Bowls and they won the Stanley Cup just last year. Um, but first time for that franchise to win um, a championship, and it did bring me back a little bit to 16 and just how how damn difficult it is. To build in a, it feels like even in that sport, it. I know this seems odd considering you know the name of the show, but it it does feel like it's almost harder in that sport to win to build a team capable of winning a championship because it is the best team wins. It's yeah. the best of seven. So if the health is there, the best teams usually it, win. It's not who's playing the best at no, that or time. who gets hot or a fluky no. thing like set best of seven for for three straight series. Four straight series is – it's a battle of attrition, and the best, healthiest team wins. There's really no way around it. You can't fluke your way to a championship in that sport. You know, I'm thinking about the the Jokic, uh, Jokic comments, and I, I just wonder, like, you want to go home? It, again, is that a direct correlation to, hey, the NBA season's way too long? <laughs> like – and because well, you play you played this far into June, a long year. Like yeah. camp starts again in 3 months. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, long. Yeah. It definitely is long. I It's shorter. It's got to be the second shortest though. Cuz baseball's 162 games yeah. from February oh, yeah. to the, you know, to November. Um, hockey starts the same time as NBA, and it's just now finishing. Hockey actually starts a little before NBA, if memory serves. Middle of October. They're more spread yeah. out because of the rest days. So hockey's actually a little bit longer. 
it is long, but they're never going to get rid of games, and they're never going to get rid of. There's too much currency in it. Yes. Yeah. You know, too much IP in it. So they're going to keep those. They'll keep those series. They'll keep those games um, to go best of seven. But I think you know, I mean, if, if it's this, long though, it, I mean, this is his first foray into going this deep. Yeah. And he's like, maybe I'm used to being done in mid-May. Right. And yep. getting an extra month off. Imagine if you don't make the playoffs and you're done April. Yeah. April 10th. Yeah. I mean, wh- when did the camp season end? Right around the draft? The lottery, yeah. I would probably <laughs> end of April. Yeah. You know, you're a month and a half later. Yeah. And they're still playing. <clears throat> so, I'll miss it. I I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed it on ABC because they were, they were pretty good on the 830 tip. Relative, you know, 842. But yeah. I mean, it, wasn't nine thirty like no. it was watchable? I could watch them all, and I wasn't exhausted. No, the, I think I would I would argue the playoffs might have saved the NBA. They've had a great playoff. They've had a great playoff from a rating standpoint. Um, they had a good season. Uh, they have they've had a bunch of different teams win it in the last five years. Um, so I mean that's pretty positive. Yeah, it's 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 in a good spot. League's in a good spot right now. Um, yesterday after we got off air, we, uh, officially unveiled a new dog logo on the Pat McAfee show. So it was, I just refer to them, the one on the left, the one on the right. So when I did the, when I took all the dogs, all the original ones, like to my kids, like they were overwhelmingly one on the left. It was overwhelmingly. And when we were on the show at first glance, I was one on the right and Nathan was too. Yeah. He, he was a little bit more emphatic. Um, but I, I wasn't sure necessarily um i thought they both were really good i did look prefer the one on the left i love the one on the left uh and i thought it looked i thought the big differentiator was it looked great on gear um but i think it's cool the one on the right is was right there they both were close um i thought they both were really good and now it's just a question of like how do you integrate that into everything else that you've got going on yeah i don't know what's next yeah like from from that standpoint how much of a logo branding will it be for the organization that has, you know, the logo's a helmet. We had Brownie at midfield last year. Um, you've, you've got the dog, like you've got the stripes, like what is, what, how does it all fit together? We get really bright people who will answer those questions, but I think that'll be the next thing is, is how yeah. does it all fit? I, I don't think you could go wrong with either, either dog, uh, you know, clearly that the, the people have spoken. I think the players have spoken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, we did some we did some social media stuff with the players on it, and that was pretty evident as well. So, hey, I mean, great. You know, I, I am interested to see what the next steps are. Excited to see what the next steps are. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, we have these things in our past, you know, like when we first started – you know, with the Elf, when it first started coming out like four or five years ago, but you, it was used very sparingly. Like, you just see it here or there. And it was mostly the Proud Elf, the Proud Brownie, and then, yeah. the, then Stiff Arm Brownie showed up. We're like, oh, we've got this guy too. And then you start to dig in, you go, actually, they use a lot of different Elves. Elves through the years. And I just am on our website, ClevelandBrowns.com, and I just see, like, the logo history. And, you know, like, it's pretty interesting. Like, it's the helmet – the majority of the time, it's just the helmet in various incarnations of it um, is is the logo. Like from 1970 on, it's basically just the helmet until you get all the way. And I had forgotten this entirely, um, but I wasn't connected to the organization at this time. I didn't even, frankly, live in Ohio for some of this time. Um, but I had forgotten that they, they had that B with the helmet or with the football, yeah. with the striping on it. I had forgotten that. 
Well, yeah, I thought it was okay. <laughs> I didn't think it was great. And then, I, I at the loved... same time, we had this dog. Yeah. This dog was around, like, in from 13 was, to 14. That was a rough one. Uh, that was a rough patch. Um, I would say this, going back to the whole helmet thing, your idea, uh, and – I, maybe it was – I think it was Kenny Rhoda. We, we, You're we talking took about the story, 32? Putting the 32 on the And I don't know if helmets. it was his original. I just – he's how I saw it. Yeah. So I gave Kenny credit for seeing that. But when I saw that of putting the 32 on the helmet, Makes that all the feels sense like a no-brainer. Because like, we've had that before in the throwbacks. Yeah. And I think it would be really cool to have 32 on the side of the helmet as a proper homage for Jim Brown. Um, I had a guy email me about, um, you know, having seen if Nick Chubb would wear 32 – my hunch on that is I don't knowing Nick a little, he doesn't strike me as the type that would want to make something like that where he, I think he'd love to pay homage to Jim. I just don't know if that, if he would want it to be like in the center of all that. Yeah, that, that's, you're right. I don't know if that he, adds he's up not him. a flashy, not out in front. There's a way probably that he will do it. Yeah. And there's a way the team will do it. Yeah. It's to be determined. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of ways to make that right, but that uh, I've never seen anybody do that because not anybody else has a blank helmet. Yeah, you know, we're the only ones. Yeah, everybody we're else has of, a sticker in the back. You yeah. have the whole helmet you could use. Yeah, and to put it on the side, I think would be really cool to be able to do that. So um, we've got a lot of things to sort out, and uh, but we do have a dog. So we have a dog that's locked in. Is there merch? Is merch already available I, on it? I I believe we have T-shirts. And they might be at the trailer, but it was raining sideways. And oh, not for us personally. I just meant for like the fans. Like can uh, the fans I believe get their sooner rather than later. Um, Let me pull it up. I'm over. It feels like anywhere. If, if you want to buy gear, like the way it is now, it's like if it's not fanatics. Oh yeah, front and center. Yeah, it's on a hat uh, that you can get it right now on a hat on a on a uh, 47 brand hat in white gray. Looks like kind of a denim brown and orange. Okay. I'm going to tell you, it looks. I think it looks best on the white. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it pops the best on the white. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah, the orange The orange makes it a little tougher to see. But... Yeah. The white's the answer. I think the white 47 brand with the dog is the. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, is, are we going to call, is he swagger? I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. Bootsy will want to name the dog. He's definitely going to want to name it. That's a lock. I don't mind the uh, the charcoal gray. Yeah. I don't th- I don't think that's a bad one either. I think that looks good on it. And obviously, as we get closer here, the, a lot more – that logo will be popping up on a lot more things. Yeah. So, eh, all good. Yeah. So there you go. That got done yesterday as well. Um, all right. AP will join us in the second hour of the program. We'll do a little better or worse. Our good buddy Armando Salguero will join us on the Dolphins and their offseason. We continue to take a look around the teams in the league. You have that to look forward to, which is nice. Some relatively big news out of Buffalo this morning that, quite frankly, is just a little confusing. We may, I mean, maybe a, a Carucci ex- explanation on this because I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on over at Buffalo. Quite frankly, I'm not sure if they understand what's going on over in Buffalo. Plus, Amari Cooper at the podium. We're off and running on a Tuesday edition. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. There's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion. Barking Backers presented by Milk Bones, Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. Interesting morning over in Buffalo, Bill's mandatory minicamp. Head coach Sean McDermott saying Stephon Diggs is not in attendance for mandatory minicamp. McDermott saying he is very concerned. So you talked about this. Um, you and I were talking about this off air. He, he passed a physical. His agent says he's in town, but he yeah. just didn't show. Diggs' agent says his client is in Buffalo, has been in Buffalo since yesterday morning, took his physical, met with the head coach and GM the past two days, and that the Pro Bowl wide receiver will be there for the entirety of minicamp. Well, he wasn't there today, and it was day one of minicamp. He may be in Buffalo, but he's not at the minicamp. Yeah. So The last time we saw Diggs, he was yelling at Josh Allen in a playoff loss. That was the last time we saw him. Yep. Oh, uh, I know. So I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, I don't, and I think I know Carucci's digging into it. Um, agent again, he's not reported for day one of minicamp. Confirmed that he was at the team headquarters for pre-minicamp medical testing yesterday. I, I don't, I don't know. I, it, it this goes back to he was pretty ticked off at the end of the season last year. Yeah. And maybe we all blew it off and thought it wasn't as bad as it was. But I'm I, I, beginning to think that there is something amiss with Stefan Diggs. I believe – I mean, I think that there was a window for Buffalo and it was last year. Yep. And now it's a little – it's going to be harder going forward for them that Miami and New York are now on the come in the AFC East. Um you know, the last couple of years, they've kind of had that to themselves, and and they weren't able to capitalize at the highest level. Like, they probably feel like two years ago the Bengals got their spot in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know? So, oh, yeah. Yeah, the clock the clock is definitely ticking, and the it's the window is closing on, on that run. And I, think, so, I think defensively they're not great. I, everybody yeah. loves them, and I'm like, they got to get out of their own division. <laughs> yeah, they. I, I think it's going to be a bit of a challenge for them. And this this just adds to it. I, it's mini camp. Like I'm sure this will all blow over. We're a long way from September. Um, my guess is they'll all be on the same page by then. But it, um, I think it's interesting that McDermott said he's very concerned that Diggs is not there. Yeah, it, normally odd. you're kind of like, oh, well, like we're ironing it out. We're working through a few things, and yeah, you know, well, we hope to have him here tomorrow. It, not the I'm very concerned. Yeah, no. Uh, this from CBS Sports, your boys. So, following coaches on the NFL hot seat going into 2023, uh, Kyle Shanahan not on this list. No, not this year. But Mike McCarthy is on this list. Brandon Staley is on this list. Ron Rivera is on this list. Josh McDaniels is on this list. And Arthur Smith is on this yeah, list. Yeah, there were a few others. Tampa Bay's coach, the Saints. Todd Bowles, he just started. Yeah. Yeah. And by In the way, two? what do you got a quarterback before yeah. you throw That's why I didn't even put him on the list well, I don't here think, for a thing or not a thing. I wouldn't think – I don't think Josh McDaniels is on this list. Like, if you do this, you do this thing or not a thing style, Mike McCarthy is on the hot list for the Dallas Cowboys, thing or not a thing. I would say, yeah, thing. It's always a thing. It's Uncle Jerry. And it's Who also, knows? yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, that's a thing. Like, there's a, win, you want to talk about windows, you know. Yeah. They, they've got a 
they got a shot. They're one of a couple of teams in the NFC that's got a shot. And, yeah, for sure. Brandon Staley, yes, yeah. thing. On the hot seat, no doubt, right? I, I mean, uh, he's been on the hot seat for me for the last year and a half. I, just, I thought he was on the hot seat a year ago at this time. The only thing you got to remember with them is, are they willing to pay buyout money? Like, is Spanos willing to pay? Hey, that was my whole thing with the buyout. Raiders. Yeah. I mean, their, their owner is crazy enough to fire him, but I don't know what his money situation is. Well, so I would say not a thing. I think Josh McDaniels is at the beginning of a very long leash. I agree. Like, I think he's going to tear that thing down. Um, you know, if Garoppolo can't play this year, it's not that difficult for them to tank. It, it's not his fault. No. I mean, he could <laughs> – you know that the Gruden-Mayock regime absolutely wrecked it from a talent talent standpoint. standpoint. They couldn't hit absolutely. first round picks. Um, I don't buy Arthur Smith at all. I would say not a thing on Arthur. The only thing that year two, the no, it's actually year three. Is it really? Yeah, hold up. I can. Uh, did he get a Matt Ryan year two? He must have. I think he did. Uh, okay. Here, I, he's, I going right into, here. he's going uh, into year three. Year three, his record's 14-20. and 20. Well, you know, they didn't draft a quarterback in the last two drafts. That's what I um, – You know, not and in the you first didn't make, round. And you didn't make a run at uh, Ravens QB. Yeah. When you probably should have. I mean, they wanted our guy worse than anything. Oh, yeah. You know, they wanted, they wanted uh, Deshaun. They were all in trying to get Deshaun. Um, and it didn't work out. I think one of the most interesting – they're not an interesting team, but I think an interesting franchise spot is Washington because, you know, are they – They're too. their defense is too good to tank. They've got enough weapons on offense. But at the same time, like, Sam Howell at quarterback, really? That's – are we sure? He was, he was regarded pretty well after his sophomore year at North Carolina and then – as a junior kind of fell on his face. Yeah, this is year four for Ron Rivera. Remember last year, he didn't realize he had to beat the Browns to stay in playoff contention. Right. Like, after the game, he was like, wait, we're out? I think he I think he would be a thing because he was hired by Snyder, yep. I think, to be the front man and suffer the slings and arrows for the transition from Redskins to football team to commies. And – I think with with new ownership, which comes in when Josh Harris comes in, I bet he wants his fresh face on all of it. 100%. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Dennis Allen with the Saints, I don't don't know where the Saints are going. I mean, he's – he went – he only had one year under his belt. He's 7 and 10. I mean, they'll have a quarterback this year, Derek Carr. (laughs) I mean, it's – Really, it's it's a winnable division for him, with a guy like Alave and you know oh, some yeah. weapons. He's got a good defense. Eh, he might be, but I I don't know where New Orleans is going. I don't know where anybody in the NFC South is going. No. <laughs> what I mean, what's Tampa's path right now? What's Atlanta do? Like Atlanta's going to play a quarterback. Like all every team in the NFC South is content to just junk it up at the quarterback position. Yes. Yes, they for sure are. That's exactly it. Yeah, other than Carolina, everybody else, eh, eh. well, we're just going to see what happens with Desmond Ritter or our former guy. And like, Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, clearly, like, Tampa Bay feels like they're just pushing the chips in, right? I guess. I don't know. I mean, what do they, what do they have? 
I mean, defensively, they're okay. Yeah. I mean, offensively, they've got wider. Are they good enough to win their division? Absolutely. If they get even decent quarterback play, they could win their division. They're not getting it out of our guy. No. They better they better be looking to Kyle Trask. But Yeah, and he, he had a good stretch out of uh, – I was just trying to see. Trask had the, the start to the good years last year at Florida, and then it kind of tapered off a little bit. I was trying to think. So they've been – is this just the second? Oh, my gosh. So the commies are stuck with the commies for another four years. Unless, what? Yeah, unless they give them, you know, a special exemption with new ownership because they're it's supposed to be five years. So this they've only done it one year. They've got four more years of the commanders. Well, you're going to have it this year no matter what. So at least you're halfway through. Yeah. And so it's just a matter of like if, if I were him, I just rebrand the whole thing. You yeah. know, Red Hogs or Red Tails, Red Wolves, whatever. Yeah, if you're a new owner, I feel like you have to be able to yeah. go, hey, can we – Yeah. Even after – maybe after year three, maybe our first year as owners, we got to keep it as the, as the commies. But but we're prepared to rebrand it. You know, can we rebrand everything? They'd much, I'd rather, much rather be the Washington football team, honestly. Yes. Than the commies. Yes, it was way better. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I think I think I think most of these are a thing. Yeah, I think I think most of them are. I think the only one that isn't is McDaniel's, um, and I still think Smith is kind of more on the outside looking in. I think the rest of them all feel like it would be very possibly even likely that they could end up being, you know, casualties at the end of this year. Um, what did you make of this uh, as we go off of the football for a second? this new indoor golf league being launched by Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy. So it'll be in prime time. Yep. It'll be on ABC. It'll be Monday nights. Um, it's being done. This is the part where I think it's going to be tricky. It's done in a, uh, an indoor arena that seats like 2,500 in uh, Palm beach area. Yep. And the first two shots in the competition, it's two hours long. Yep. Each match is two hours. The first two shots are going to occur against a green screen. It's a, a, a the golfers will hit long distance shots into a simulator the size of an IMAX screen. Okay. Before moving to a short game area for chipping, bunker shots, and putting. It's a one hundred thirty five thousand square foot arena. It's huge. Yeah. So they'll have live studio audience there to cheer. Fifteen hundred to two thousand yeah. people. They will have. Um, I'm curious, like, how do they place the ball on the third shot, or what would be the second shot? On yeah, some? like if you're if you're if in you're the, the rough, right? What does that look? Is it actual rough or is it synthetic grass? You know, what what does that look like? My guess is that people will watch this initially. I have a hard time believing it'll have staying staying power, like something that's there year in and year out. It's very interesting. Like the guys that have committed to play, obviously Tiger and Rory, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Matt Fitzpatrick, Zonder Shoffley, Max Homa. So the the article, why it could actually work, the equity alignment, it's going to be owned by four different groups. Groups, TMRW Sports, 54%. The PGA Tour, 18%. Like, was so that done Saudis. before? Was that done before yep. or after the Saudis? The individual teams, 18%, and the players, 10%. The structure aligns incentives across all major stakeholders and and forces everyone to focus on growth. The celebrity investors on this? Oh, it's a who's who. Yeah. Josh Allen, 
Shoney Otani, Arthur Blank, Shaq, Dwayne Wade, Kevin Durant, Tony Romo, Justin Timberlake, Justin Bieber. Yeah. <laughs> Macklemore? What? Yeah. No, it's a who's who. I mean, 15 weeks, I, I think it's interesting. I'm going to give it a look. I just think it's, you know, is it something that's sustainable and how much t- will that – I'll say this. The last time they tried something like this in prime time was the battle at Bighorn. This is 20-some years ago. But they would have, like, Monday Night Golf, and it was, at that time, the first couple of them were, like, Battle at Bighorn out in Southern California. And it was, like, Tiger and Jack versus Seve and or uh, Sergio. Yeah. Or whatever. And they would play at night. They brought in the lights. And it had a lot of juice the first couple of time, and then it, it did peter out after. What does it say about the state of primetime TV? Well, it says – you're going to put this on. Well, that was – it's a good job out of you. That's the next place that I was I was going. The what it says is there. It's really hard to create stuff that's watched. It used to be you roll something out on a Monday on CBS and it was getting twenty million viewers. Yeah, that's over. Nope, that doesn't happen anymore. So, you know, if this thing can do six or seven million, five million. I mean, for perspective, like the Stanley Cup playoffs are like two and a half million. Fine, Stanley Cup finals, only like two and a half million people watching it. So what's viewed a win? Is four million a win? Probably. Could be. Yeah. Six if million it's done a win? right. Yeah. And it you know, if it doesn't come at a, a huge production cost to you, the network, which it won't. I, I think this is the interesting one in all this as to why it can work. The social and gambling content. Your ability to bet on shots. Yeah, and for your sure. ability you can live to, bet it. Which it sounds like it's going to be. Yeah. They'll have a gambling component creating friendly banter that performs well on social media. It'll come down to, I think, too, how does it look? You know, we're used to seeing golf in these picturesque vistas. Yeah. Like, how does it look when it's in an arena? That's a great question. You know, how do they film it to where it looks cool? Yeah, when you're hitting basically into a screen. Right, <laughs> like you know, I do, like I do in the off season. Yeah, I mean, like it, you're not going to see ball flight. You're not no. going to see. We're so used to seeing those things, and none of those things will be in play at this. Unless it's like, like you could take the video game component, and when you hit the ball, it yeah. switches to that screen, and you can it shows the flight of the ball. But maybe like the tiger, or I guess it's not tiger, tiger. Yeah, no, it's tiger like woods, or yeah. whatever it's called. Um, yeah, maybe that's it, where it flips in real time to the the ball flight. The production will be key. They're definitely going to have to land the plane on that. I just wondered, with the PGA Tour having 18%, when was this done? Was this done before the Saudi deal last week? It had to week? be, if they were this close to the finish line. I mean, now, how, how, are, how are Rory and Tiger feeling about that this morning? Well, I'll tell you what. Did you see who's talking uh, today at the U.S. Open? No. Brooks is. Phil is not. DeChambeau is not. Rory is not. So none of those guys are talking. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the USGA saying lock it up. We don't want to have this. We don't not have the distraction. Yep. Or if it's the players saying it. For all of them, they'll be available after their rounds. But that's more of a scrum versus a, a podium. A podium. And there's a different feel to those two things. 
podium is much more measured and everybody gets their questions and a scrum is kind of a fist fight. But none of those guys are talking at the U.S. Open, which starts in two days out at LACC. So I just – the more I read on it, Gibby, the more I'm convinced that this last week was a holy hell, this is about ready to leak. We've, We've got to get go. this out. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Uh, the fact that no player knew. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, that Netflix special, I can't wait to see what those yeah. reactions are. Yeah. You know, with the cameras running. Um, I, I don't the, – the, the U.S. Open this week took on a whole different meaning. Oh, my gosh. Given what's happened in yeah. the last seven days. Yeah, for sure. Just – I can't wait. And, and it's going to be prime time. Yeah, we'll Which get will a lot. Be great. The course looks cool too. I've never seen LACC. Neither have I on TV, but I've seen some of the images I've seen this morning look pretty cool. So uh, I'm excited. It almost looked like the, it almost looked like a PGA Championship or a Open Championship with the long grasses. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that doesn't. Yeah. I don't think of that when I think of U.S. Opens, but. Well, when's the last time it's hosted a major? I don't know the answer to that. While while we look that up, can I can I play you Shannon Sharp's good, please, tearful please. goodbye to to Skip Bayless on yeah. Skip and Shannon today? Let's go because it was all he was leaving once the NBA Finals were over. Well, okay. I thought maybe it'd be a couple days, maybe it would last through the week or like a week and a half, or you know what I mean? That yep. there would be a nope. Today it was your last last day, and and here's the goodbye between the two of them. And last but not least, Skip Bayless, mm. you fought for me, bro. Did I? I'm here because of you. You've allowed me to share the stage with you. You've allowed me to share the platform. I'm going to cry in the car, but I'm not going to mm. cry now. The opportunity that you gave me to become what I became, I'm forever indebted to you. I'll never forget what you did for me. You've helped me grow more than you ever know. Okay, this is not easy for me either. But one more thing, I want one more thing to, before you yeah, go, Skip. Okay. One more thing. All I ask is when you lay your head on that pill at night, you know I gave you everything I had. You did. I gave you everything I had. Which is why I want to thank you for all you have given to me. When I first took this... And last... You processing this? I don't understand. They hate each other. Well, like, or I, maybe it was all, I don't know. Maybe it was one of those things where it got too close to the truth. You know? Like maybe you got cut a little too close with all the act and event. I and gave you out. all I had. I gave you all I had was strange. This is, this is a, it's, it's a TV show. It's just a TV show, man. Dude, that's all this. It, it, that's, that's it. Quite honestly, very few people watch. Correct. Based on the amount of attention it gets, very few very few people watch it. Yeah. Um, hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> I, I, I wonder would if he not has have something seen else that. lined up. Like, does Shannon have something else? I don't know, because he's already been knocked off like the networks. Yeah, he was on that years ago. Yeah. And so he's off of that. So now what? I'll say this for the Skip Bayless and like Stephen A. That's a hard job. It's a really hard job to have a take that is so strong on everything. 
you can't have a tepid take. Oh, and it's almost like, whether you sometimes you're not going to believe it, right? <laughs> but you got to talk yourself into it. Well, he did that. He does it with the LeBron's coverage that he does. Like yep. it's just, it's so overwhelming that it's like you're so committed to the bit. That you, there's no way he believes what he's saying on it, but he's so committed to it that he does. It is hard to go that hard at something all the time. It really is in our business to have that type. Of, so I have a ton of respect for that to be able yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. Bring that energy every time. I, the LA country, the LA uh, Country Club has never hosted a major. This will be the first one. The course has been around since 1897. Well, I'm liking this the more you talk about it because it goes back to what we've talked about and playing courses that we don't seen. host majors. Yeah, so it, it hosted the LA Open in 26, 34, 35, 36, and 40. It hosted the Walker Cup in 2017, but has never hosted a major. So this will be the first. I like it. Yeah, first men's major in LA in 28 years and the area's first U.S. Open in 75 years since L.A. had a U.S. Open. In that big a TV market. 28 years ago, I think it's got to be Riviera, right? Yeah, 28 years ago, it was the PGA at Riviera in 95. That's a long time. And there's great courses there, but I'm guessing that it's kind of like Sayota down in Columbus, which is an awesome track. There's really no place for people to park. There's no place for the commercial aspects logistics. that come. Logistics are just impossible at these places. Like, you need to have, like, the way they built Mirfield in, down in Dublin, where it's yeah. built for television. A lot of these old tracks aren't, and so there's no place to put 150,000 spectators in the middle of a city. You know, you just can't do that. Like Bel Air, you know, you can't, yeah. you can't put them there. No. There's nowhere for them to go. So Wow. Yeah, there you go. All right, coming up next, uh, we will go to the podium. Amari Cooper coming up next. Just to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Bet, a sports betting party of your Cleveland Browns, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns 2023 schedule is here. Get your single game tickets now for all the great matches at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Visit clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets to purchase today. And now let's head back to the podium. Wide receiver Amari Cooper. Nice to get in some 11-on-11s and get back out there and play some almost football. Yeah, of course. It's always fun to come out here and put my skill set on display. So having a lot of fun. Going up and getting that touchdown the way you did, um, does that give you a little confidence that you're where you want to be physically coming off that surgery? Yeah, of course. Just to come out here and be able to, to feel good again, uh, it's a great feeling. Uh, you know, you, you never really want to play her. It's not, it's not very pleasant, but you got to do what you got to do. Cooper, uh, seven on sevens are all offense usually. You guys are, look like you did everything you wanted to in seven on sevens. Is that the way it's supposed to look to you? Yeah, I mean, you have no pass rush. Uh, it's really like pitch and catch out there. <laughs> I mean, obviously the DBs make plays sometimes, but it's um, uh, it's not a level playing field for them. Uh, when we're doing seven on seven, so it should look like that every time. Mario, what were your thoughts on Deshaun saying last week that he would love for the team to add uh, DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, I didn't see that, uh, but who wouldn't? <laughs> uh, DeAndre, um, has been a very great player in this league. Obviously, they have a lot of chemistry. 
uh, if I was him, I'd want the same thing. But if Eckler catches away from you, how, how would you feel about that? You said, you said what? If adding DeAndre Hopkins would would diminish your catch total, what would you feel about that? Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, you had a great receiver like that. That's probably going to happen because uh, there's only one ball. <laughs> you know, everybody got to get their touches. So, I mean, as, as long as it's uh, helping us win, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Hey, Lamar, obviously you guys have banked more reps with Deshaun. What what was most noticeable to you and how different he is Yeah, he's this time of year ago? He looks in a bit of a better groove. Uh, just, you know, having that long layoff, of course, you know, you're going to lose some rhythm, some form of rhythm, but he looks like he's really getting that back. Back to the wide receivers, Amari, like that room, now you've seen him on the field, just what, what's your vibe on having Elijah here, Marquise, obviously you, Donovan, David, like just your vibe on that room overall? Yeah, the vibe, the vibe has been pretty good overall. I mean, even other position groups are seeing it, you know. A lot of plays are being made out there uh, coming from the receiver position, so it looks good so far. Amari, if the Browns do sign DeAndre you and him are on the field at the same time. That's a pretty darn formidable wide receiving core to, to have to go against, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's more than one way to skin a cat. I think uh, our skill sets are a little different, but we both get the job done. Uh, with DeAndre, he's you know, pretty unstoppable with the way he uses his hands and his body to position himself um, well to make the catch. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be pretty good. Amari, with the guys that you've added already, the Elijah Marquise, Cedric, like they all have something that maybe you guys didn't have the exact same thing here last year. Like just having those different kinds of guys with different skills so far, how much like of a difference in the offense and in the pass game do you notice? Yeah, I mean, the more the merrier. You know, the more guys that can make plays, the more plays that are going to be made. You know, it's just that simple. So I think that's the uh, philosophy behind it. This time of year, Amari, everything gets overanalyzed. But for you as a player, what's, I guess, what, what do you look for? Uh, during minicamp to, to get out of it or to come out of it feeling good going into summer vacation? Uh, just, you know, the culture that we're, bu that we're building, you know, how, you know, we all interact with each other in the locker room, how the, how the vibe of the practice is going, um, you know, are we being disciplined enough to practice the right way? Just the little things right now. From what you can tell right now, are you going to be 100% uh, first contact practice in training camp? God willing. How much did that injury affect you last year? Uh, a lot down uh, down the stretch. Um, it, like I said before, it just wasn't very pleasant to play through it. Um, but it's just a part of the game. But it definitely affected me, yeah. Have you had any issues in the rehab since you had that surgery in February? Uh, you know, little things here and there, but nothing that was not expected. Mari, when Deshaun talked to us last week, he talked about just overall, like, feeling more comfortable in his second year. I guess, do you guys, like, feel that from him as, as receivers, that he's settling in more? Yeah. I mean, he made a throw today, and right when he released it, I said, great throw. <laughs> I even know if it was a great throw, but I just felt that it was, and it was right on the money. So, it was not to me. No, I wasn't in. <laughs> but, yeah, he's definitely... Uh, getting more comfortable, like he said, getting his rhythm back, looking like Deshaun. Was that the one to DPJ over the middle that he threaded the needle? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Amari, do you see some young guys out there, like, flocking to you, kind of talking, especially when you were a couple weeks ago when you were working to the side out there talking to guys? Do you see that maybe increasing? Yeah, I mean, we all communicate. That was our number one goal at the receiver position um, as, as a collective, to communicate better.
with each other. So yeah, they've definitely been asking me questions. Shoot, I ask them questions. I'm coming back off of injury. I, I often ask them how I'm looking on routes and stuff like that. So just better communication overall. One of the stories last week with Mario was Marquise and just how fast he really still is. Like, yeah. what is when you see him out there at, what, 31, I mean, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, it's very impressive. Uh, you know, he's doing something right. <laughs> I got to I gotta tap in with him. <laughs> he looks like he's, he doesn't, he doesn't look, just look good. He looks like he feels good as well. So that's credit to him taking care of his body and being a pro. What do you think that vertical threat will do for the rest of you guys? It's going to do a lot. I'm already seeing it. Uh, first of all, Deshaun loves throwing the, the, the vertical um, passes downfield. Um, so I know he's going to throw them. And Goodwin, he's, he isn't just fast, but he, he he's a football player. He knows how to track the ball. He knows how to run those deep balls. So I think it's going to be phenomenal for us, um, for sure. I know you guys are going to be throwing the ball more with Watson the whole season. But how many actual new plays are there? Do you see a lot of new plays running? Yeah, of course. You got you to gotta be able to come up with new plays and new concepts. You know, it's a copycat league. I mean, you know, stuff that was working in the league 10 years ago, you know, teams catch on really fast, so you always have to be able to adapt. So, of course, we're, we're, we've been adding new plays. How about Elijah? Uh, what's he bringing to the table? What does he add to the court? Yeah, he's adding a lot. He's another threat, another guy who can uh, get open, create space, and make it easy for Deshaun. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Like, we got a lot of, a lot of threats in the receiver room now. Um, so we'll see. All right, coming up next, our good buddy Armando Soguero will join us on the NFL and the Dolphins offseason. That's coming up in about five minutes. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, let's get a little smarter, kids, in the second hour. We head out on the Twisted Tea Hotline, brought to you by Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns Keep It Twisted Cleveland, and that's where we find our great friend Armando Soguero, NFL writer, long time on the NFL beat and the Dolphins beat, now at outkick.com, joining us there. Armando, thank you so much for, for taking the time. Let's start big picture NFL and big news out of Buffalo today with Stephon Diggs not showing up and some interesting comments uh, from Sean McDermott, where he says that he, he's not sure where he is. What do you make of this situation up there? Well, you know, he was there yesterday. <laughs> he yeah. was there for the pre-minicamp physical. Stephon Diggs showed up. Uh, I was told that he was healthy, so it's not an injury situation. Um, and he was there this morning, and then he wasn't there. So it's um, – it's a strange situation. It's mysterious. I reached out to someone who is not close to Stefan, but is acquaintances with Stefan. Okay. And he told me that he thinks that it has something to do with Stefan not being happy that the Bills aren't adding talent on offense this year. And, you know, that's not hmm. exactly true because they drafted a tight end and early in the draft, but they don't have the kind of cap space to have been players in the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes. They haven't shown interest in DeAndre Hopkins. Dalvin Cook has told people he wouldn't, 
he would uh, welcome an idea, the idea of playing in Buffalo because James Cook, his brother, plays in Buffalo, and he'd like that to be a, a combination backfield. But the Bills haven't shown interest in that idea either. And I think Diggs is, um, you know, he, he sees the landscape. And the Bills, they're, they've got to improve to get past the divisional round, which they haven't gotten past the last couple of years, regardless of how good people think they are. And to do that, you got to get better. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you've been around this game a long time. I, I look around the AFC and I think about everything that, that we've done here in Cleveland to try to be amongst that top group. You, you Obviously, you're down in South Florida and everything the Dolphins have done. Have, you've been around a long time. You ever seen an arms race like this, like we have right now in the AFC, with, with this many teams this good or that believe they're Super Bowl contenders? Never seen it in one conference because, I mean, if you thought the AFC was good last year, then, you know, obviously the New York Jets go and pluck one of the better, right. if not the best quarterback in the other conference and bring them to the AFC. It's like you go down the roster, uh, you know, and obviously the Browns with Deshaun Watson are included in this. And it's like every team in the AFC that's vying for a division championship is thinking not just division championship, that's goal one, is thinking Super Bowl because they all have elite kind of quarterbacks. And they're all chasing that dude in Kansas City, right? And so it's like you can – and by the way, they've won it a couple of different ways. You know, they won it when they had Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, and then last year they won it as they kind of transitioned out of the post-Tyreek Hill years. So it it's almost like you, you're doing all of these things to try to get better, and then – that dude's out there waiting for you in Kansas City, and, and that's the other tricky part is you got this unicorn out there. Right, and the unicorn has a, a great coach. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a tough combination. I mean, you know, obviously everybody understands that Patrick Mahomes is amazing, right? He, he does amazing things. But Andy Reid and that offense and the way that he – coaches and the way that he schemes things up and the way that he um, on offense can diminish his weaknesses and amplify his strengths to where the defense is no 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 we want to deal with your weaknesses and Andy Reid is like no 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 <laughs> we're gonna hide our weaknesses from you today we're gonna deal with our we're gonna uh, have say it's not the defense uh, you know, doing w what the defense gives you. It's doing what Andy Reid decides he's going to do. Yeah, it certainly is. Let, let's get back to the division you're, you're certainly very familiar with, and that is uh, the AFC East. You mentioned uh, Rodgers obviously going to the Jets. It seems to me there's a, a wide range of opinion on how good he'll be right away. I am of the opinion that he will be. To me, this feels a little bit more like when Peyton Manning went to Denver. Than, than it does Tom Brady going to Tampa. Although Tom Brady's really good too. The, I, I kind of think Rodgers is going to go nuts a little bit with, with that type of talent that he's going to have around him. Uh, what do you make? How much do you think he's still got in the tank? So I'm – this is going to sound like, uh, you know, the, the, the angry guy or even <laughs> the, the pessimist. I, 
for the record, I think Aaron Rodgers is great, right? Yeah. But I recognize that he's 39 years old and he's going to be 40 years old in December. And I recognize that 40-year-olds, they slow down some and, you know, they become somewhat injury prone. And I say that to say this. The Jets' tackle situation is terrible, awful. Dwayne Brown is 37 years old, coming off a, a elbow surgery—excuse me, a shoulder surgery. He hasn't really been able to do much this off season. He's going to be fine as long as he's what healthy. Has sure. he been healthy? No. Is he young enough to stay healthy? He's 37 years old. <laughs> on the other on the other side, Makai Becton. He's young enough to stay healthy, but he's played like two games in two years because he hasn't been healthy. He's been out of shape. He doesn't like playing right tackle. He wants to play left tackle, which he won't do. Other than those two things, the unhappy right tackle who's never healthy and the 37-year-old left tackle coming off an injury, they're fine. Everything's great (laughs) on the edges for the New York Jets to protect they're soon to be 40 year old quarterback. So do you have, how do you have the pecking order in the AFC East heading into to training camp? I think it's the bills first, uh, depending on what happens with sure. Stefan Diggs, right? Because yeah. ugh, that that's not a good look. Uh, I think it's the Dolphins second because, uh, I, People aren't recognizing what they did this offseason, and what they did was they went out and hired the best defensive coordinator available, and and that's Vic Fangio. Mm -hmm. Vic Fangio didn't do great as a head coach, but he is a Hall of Fame caliber defensive coordinator in the NFL, and everybody understands that. And now he's the Dolphins' defensive coordinator. And, oh, by the way, they also added Jalen Ramsey to play quarterback, uh, cornerback. Excuse me, And they're going to team him with Xavier Howard, who's himself a perennial Pro Bowl cornerback. So I've got them second. I've got the Jets, uh, you know, coming up third. I wouldn't be surprised if three teams, by the way, make the playoffs from the AFC East. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if two make it from, you know, the um, the AFC uh, North. So yeah. I've got the, the Jets behind them and then the Patriots. Um, Mac Jones, I'm sure, will be better. I don't think anyone's saying Mac Jones is elite. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's in the Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen, you know, school. And I don't think that he's got a lot of weapons around him. Bill O'Brien, you know, is going to be better because he's been an actual offensive coordinator. The experiment last year with Matt Patricia was a failure because Matt Patricia had never been an offensive coordinator. And Joe Judge, who was the quarterback coach, had never been a quarterback coach. So, wow, (laughs) Bill Belichick (laughs) blew that one. Right, but yeah, it's crazy. Right man. now, yeah, you mentioned the arms race. Yeah, the Patriots are lagging behind in the arms race. Yeah, they are, and I think what 
you know, when you were when you look at this, you, God, Lord, you go through that Dolphins roster. It's just a who's who, just star power everywhere. So much speed, so much athleticism, so dynamic. And I think last year, when healthy, Tua answered the questions we had going into the season about what type of player he could be. Because when he was healthy, he was sensational. The problem was he wasn't healthy. And the, at the end, it was pretty scary. Um, it, it took a long time for him to get out of concussion protocol. And it, I guess give me a, a kind of a feel on, on where you are with Tua health-wise and how nervous are they down there that he could get through a season? They're not nervous, but they should be. Yeah. And the reason is because Tua Tungavailoa is – not a big guy. He's about six foot and 220. Um, and his history has been that he gets hurt. And it's not, you know, last year it was concussions uh, and concussions plural, too. Mm-hmm. The year before that, it was, the, uh, I think it was a, an elbow and then it was a finger. Uh, the year before that, it was a finger and he was coming off the hip. In college, in college, it was a hip. It's been something every year that has caused mm-hmm. him to miss games. And when he misses games, um, either directly or indirectly, as a result, the Dolphins lose. And last year, he missed five games, including a playoff game, and they were one and four in those games. And the one that they won was like a, a 12 to 11 game against the Jets, who also didn't have a quarterback that day. So it's, it's one of those things where if the Dolphins have their starting quarterback, they're going to be all right. If they don't, they're not going to be all right. And by the way, their starting quarterback has been injury prone. So does that you know, continue or does that change? It just feels like to me that it's pretty wild if they roll the dice on it, right? Like just him. Now, you wouldn't want to bring in competition, but I do wonder, like, they feel like they're in a clearly in a win-now mode. If there was some sort of injury early to him, do they call on – they call on Stafford? I don't even know if they can move Stafford, but, like, is it that type of situation where if there's a – if he gets knocked early in the season, they would be pretty nimble to try to get somebody established in there? I'm not quite sure that that would be the, the next move. Um, okay. Because – well, let me say this. If you make that move, you're not just speaking for the one season. You're saying to everybody on the roster and everybody in the stands, we've lost confidence in this guy's ability to stay healthy. Sure. And that, that's, a, that's crossing a Rubicon, and you can't come back from that. Yeah. <laughs> you just, it just doesn't fly that way. And so we're not there yet, obviously, but – um, if if Tua gets hurt right now, it's Mike White, who yeah. this is funny, who came in for the Jets last year when Zach Wilson was you know was proven to be somewhat of a bust, and he was fine until he got hurt. Yeah, and so and I think it took him like a game and a half, and he was hurt. So the Dolphins have a starting quarterback who's been hurt a lot and a backup who's been hurt a lot. It's, it's, it's a perfect quarterback room. <laughs> Not ideal for a team that's as loaded everywhere else as that one is. Um, hey, I want to ask you, is, is Mike McDaniel as much – we see these clips, and he's pretty damn funny. Is he as fun day-to-day as he appears to be? Yes. Yeah. He's very unorthodox. He's, yeah. He is 
I, you know, hard to figure out in how he, you know, thinks. Uh, obviously, when he's calling plays and when he's coaching a football team, it works for him to the point where they made the playoffs in his first year last year. But he is just a, a different kind of person. The, the first time that I met him, <laughs> he spent 10 minutes talking about my glasses. <laughs> and I was like, okay, uh, yeah, Ray-Ban. <laughs> and, and now what do you got? And he was right. like discussing the history of his glasses and to, you know, his optometrist visit. And I'm like, this is the strangest get to know you conversation I've ever had with an NFL coach. And I've had a few and this one is the strangest, but do the people that cover him enjoy it? Yeah, absolutely. Cause you never know what he's going to bring and do the players so far like it. Yeah. He, You know, they had a losing streak last year. I think it was four games or something like that. And he didn't lose the locker room, even though he was in his first year. uh, And he doesn't look necessarily the part of a head coach. But, you know, he was fine. That's great. I'll get you out of here on this one, buddy. We had uh, the Heat lose last night uh, to the Nuggets. The Panthers play tonight. Um, I'm I'm curious, what's the pecking order, South Florida, from a sports perspective? What – what moves the needle the most down there in terms of the professional? It, heck, 20-some years, 20 years ago when I was around down there a little bit, it, I mean, you could make an argument Miami Hurricane football ran the town. What is, what's kind of the pecking order now in 2023 down in South Florida from a sports perspective? Oh, yeah, there was a time where I think the year was like 1989, 1990. The Hurricanes were in the middle of their five national championships string, and they had more season ticket holders than the Dolphins. That has changed. Uh, the Hurricanes have fallen on hard times. Um, everybody else now is recruiting in South Florida. The Heat have won three championships. The Panthers, they are obviously in the Stanley Cup Finals now. This is their second one. And, you know, the Dolphins are still looking to return to, to that height. They haven't been to the Super Bowl since, like, 1984, they haven't won it since 1974. So uh, folks are, are starved for Dolphins' success. If the Dolphins are successful, they run the town. Yeah. If the Dolphins are not successful, then it's kind of like a Dolphins heat, you know, amalgam there that they, they fight for whatever they can, they can get. And normally out of all of those, the winner is the beach. <laughs> On that note, as it is 61 degrees and rainy up here today, thank you so much, sir, for your time. Always appreciate you. <laughs> it's my pleasure. That's our good buddy Armando Soguero, uh, NFL writer at Outkick. Always always one weather shot from Armando. He always I gets mean, one in. Normally he's at a pool when he's doing this yeah. hit. I always tell people that, too. Like People are always hard like on the South Florida fandom. Uh, I was down there. Ohio State was playing Miami in like 11 down there. Pretty not a, it was the Luke Fickle year, not a great Ohio State team, but they were down there playing Miami, and the so they played Saturday night, and then Sunday was a Dolphins game, and there was a lot of empty seats at the Dolphins. So my boss at the time had never been to like South Beach, like truly South Beach. I'm like, well, let's go. I'll, we'll go over there. 
So I took him over to South Beach, and we get to South Beach, and there looks to be about 200,000 people on South Beach. And you go, this is why no there's empty the seats. Yeah. Would you want to sit? You have DVR. You watch it later. You're not giving up your Sunday. The weather's too good. I'm not no. going to waste it at an arena. Correct. And that's always something that people, oh, they don't have good fans. No, they have good fans. They've got great fans down there. It's just they have a lot of options to choose from. Um, and I felt that way, too. I always felt it was a it was a Canes town in the early 2000s um, when they were winning those national titles with with Ed Reed and Ed. Did, I can't remember if Ed won one or. Yeah, he did. Um, but there there it certainly felt like a hurricane town then. I did not know that about the season tickets, though. That's crazy. In the late 80s, early 90s, there were more yeah. Miami hurricane season tickets in Miami than Dolphins. That's crazy. Is that pre-Marino? No, that's Marino. Yeah. Late 80s, early 90s oh, is yeah. Marino. Yeah. I was thinking early 80s. No, no. they those That would have been while Marino was with the Dolphins. That's an incredible number that, that they had that. Um, well, I mean, they turned – and now that the Dolphins stadium, Hard Rock, they've done a great job con- converting it and tweaking it. And yeah. Modernizing it with the sunshade and everything. But it's just one big club. Everywhere you go, there's – club this yeah there's a dj there it's a bad location people aren't in the seats they're in the clubs yeah and it's a it's a bad location it's kind of in the middle of nowhere so it's it's a bit of a tough sell we'll do the categories with the dolphins get a little higher lower better worse coming up at the bottom of the hour you listen to cleveland browns daily on 850 espn cleveland Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. For a team of injury lawyers dedicated to every client every day, call 1-800-ELK-OHIO. Elk and Elk's proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Uh, all right, let's take a little bit of a deep dive on, on the Miami Dolphins here quickly, uh, Gibbe. Favorite uh, favorite uniform for Miami all time? It would have to be the the Marino. They got the the mid eighties. They got that one, and they also have like the seventy two Dolphins with the big thick stripe that are perfect. Those are those are both great. Yeah, they've been in this version for a while. Um, I think their fans down there have hated this version as soon as they started wearing them and want yeah. to get back as soon as possible. And all indications are that they will go back to it to what they used to wear. Um, it feels like every time they wear them, they get, they get a gorgeous uniform. Oh yeah. Like it's beautiful. I, like the colors the, fit. It's the colors. They That's fit. the colors. The aqua is perfect. The orange is perfect. It is so specifically South Florida when you see it. Um, yeah, I think, I think that the, their throwback uniform is perfect. I think that their branding is like the Miami dolphins. It's just flawless. Yeah. They crushed it. Um, I agree with you on the stadium. So, I have been before, and then I've been through part of the renovation, but not all the way renovation. Um, it used to be just simply a baseball field. Yeah, it was really yeah, and dirt. Is the press painted, box still in the corner? Green. Yeah, I I don't like the press box setup. Yeah, that part's brutal, and the windows don't open. Oh, that's right. That this is what we ran into last year. Like the windows up above open, so you can hang like a microphone out. Yeah, but you can't. Like the windows themselves don't open, which is just utter stupidity. Yeah, yeah. So they made the decision to throw the money into the current stadium, 
and it got them like the canopies and the coverage. They had to get people out All of the, the clubs. Yeah. I mean, literally, when I say clubs, like during the game, you can hear the DJ. Like, yeah. Like it's a club. There's couches and right. like you can watch the game, but there's a there's a full club and bar, yeah, uh, on either end zone, and it's it's just a party. They they've set it up like if we're gonna get people, it it this is gonna have to be a party atmosphere. Yeah, for sure. Um, road trip, not drive, but I would fly. Yeah. It's an all timer. It's a great trip. It's a great two nighter. <laughs> Flying on a Friday out on a Sunday. That's about as big a win as could be, especially if it's inclement weather here. I feel like it's a Monday out. Could I guess I, you'd I know like, better than me. Yeah. On a one o'clock, you probably would rather fly out Monday morning. Yeah, you because Saturday there's a down. post game. There's a post game party yeah. somewhere. Yeah, Saturday in then and Monday. Saturday hell, night, three nights. South Beach. By the way, the one thing like go to the Yardbird in Miami. It's it's not totally all. It's not all the way into South Beach. Yeah. It's just on the outskirts of it. Uh, the Yardbird had the best skillet fried chicken oh, I've really? ever had. It, or something random. Yeah. I saw it on something on Food Network. We went down. It lives up to the billing. It was great. Some. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. The food's awesome down there. Joe Stone Crab. All of it. It's, a, it's, as, it's as big a win as can be. Uh, must do thing on a road trip. I think we nailed most of that. The people seeing it South Beach South speaks Beach. for itself. Yes. Just the people watching is is pretty great. I, I like South Florida a lot. I think it's a lot like um, I feel the same way about South Florida as I feel about like certain parts of Southern California. Like I could live there, but I'd have to be really wealthy. Yes. Like you don't want to not be – you don't want to not have means because then it starts to suck. Well, uh, yeah. There are, there are the haves and the have-nots. Oh, gosh. And you, it's and a you, huge like, it is a Yeah, you don't want to be – it's a big gap. You don't want to be that. No. Um, player I'd want on their current roster. I mean, Tyree Kill would be a lot of fun. Boy, you know? boy, lining him up would be uh, that would work pretty quite good. The, quite the Jalen Waddles, pretty damn good. Like yeah. <laughs> uh, Jalen Ramsey, they get a lot of studs. They get a lot of stars. Hey, on it's got to be Hill. Like, it's Tyree. You, you Kill. deal That's with the that. correct answer. You yeah. deal with any of the baggage he brings to the table. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. Who's your all-time favorite Dolphin? I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer for that. I was, I always really appreciated Marino and felt sorry for him that I mean he got to live in South Florida and had a great life and all of that but just from the standpoint of it felt like he never they were never able to put a team around him that could go. You know, they brought in Jimmy Johnson towards the end of his career and they kind of tried transition into a run team but they got just drilled his last game against Jacksonville. There just wasn't ever a team around him that could go. I think it stands – I think one of the most stupefying records of all time is when he threw for 5,000 yards in 84. Yeah. Because people weren't doing that. No. And he threw for he threw for five thousand. I, I did like I did like Mark Duper simply for his uh, face mask. The old school face mask. The old school Duper. face mask. Now the that I marks. think about that, yeah. Um, Zach Thomas. Zach was Th- I was going to say Zach Thomas, Zonka. Yeah, I I'm so tired of those perfect dolphin guys though. Like all the times with the all their nonsense, their champagne like, toasts yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yes, they're a playoff team. They're a contender. If two yeah. is healthy, they're all of those things. I agree with you. Like. I don't need to bring in a guy for competition. No. But why wouldn't you, after what happened last year, have a guy ready to go? Have like somebody a ready. Name. Yeah, be ready. 
Uh, biggest offseason addition, Jalen Ramsey. They brought yep. in one of the best corners um, in the league. So they're they're ready-made if Tua Tungavailoa can stay healthy. And, in fact, this dovetails into our next conversation on higher or lower. Uh, ESPN ranking the roster cores. I can tell you Miami is very high. I can tell you the Browns are probably about where I think most of you think that they would be. We'd get into that coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Hi, welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Time for a little better or worse or higher or lower. Presented by Keep It Fun Ohio from the Ohio Lottery. We remind you to set time and spending limits when you gamble. AP is here as well on the Twisted Tea Hotline. Hello, Gibby. Hello, AP. AP. How's it going, guys? Oh, we're doing real Are well. Are you working from the stadium today? Yes, and I'm currently – there's a cart going by. Uh, I am, you really I am should just come work at the today. undisclosed location like I've offered 40 times. Yeah, well, I didn't expect to be in a bad spot today, and uh, I, I definitely should have once again stopped by the undisclosed location. So that is absolutely my bad, but it looks like the noise has now cleared. Can you guys hear me fine? Yeah, yeah. You're more than fine. You're yeah, fine. we're good. Yeah, you're, you're safe, cool. pal. You're safe. So, are you in the catacombs? Right. You're not in the press box. Uh, well, the spot that I have normally been going to in the press box, which is one of the radio booths, is now also under construction. So, uh, the construction is just ah. really hampering my uh, ability to find a quiet spot. It seems I thought I was in one now. I just went to a different floor, but then there was a loud cart rolling by. So I just wanted to make wait. Sure what radio booth under construction? <laughs> uh, I don't think it's yours. Unfortunately, Gibbs. It's uh, no, that's it's good. I don't ones. need it under construction. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I don't know what it's used for, but it's not yours. <laughs> I wish you had a camera on Gibby's face when the uh, when AP dropped the uh, radio booth construction. What? Because none Come of those again? booths are supposed to be under construction. I think well, it might be a, no. a football booth or, or like stadium, like a stadium booth. I don't know. There's there's so much construction going now on. Now he's in spin mode. Nice job, Poizel. All right. Uh, all right, boys, let's get into it. A little higher or lower this week from ESPN's uh, Seth Walder, ESPN Analytics. All right. Uh, it is ranking the NFL roster cores, stacking all 32 teams' top five players. Okay. Core defined as the five most important players to a team, the guys each roster is built around. Uh, let's dive into the rankings. Average ages were calculated by taking each player's age of September 7th, 2023, when the Lions and Chiefs are set to kick off the 2023 season. The Cleveland Browns come in at number 11, but my bigger question is the roster core they have listed is Deshaun Watson, Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward, and Joel Betonio. Bishop, agree, disagree? Any changes you would make to that core? Uh, no, I think that's the right. I think that's the right core uh, that that I would want representing um, for this year at least. Um, and I think that we're appropriate at eleven. Um, I think the rest of our roster is better than some of the teams ahead of us. But I think that, like, this is all going to come down to like every conversation we've had all off season. It's just going to come down to Deshaun. 
and if he can elevate to what he was. Because if he can, then the rest of those guys will that elevate that number as well. If you get Deshaun from two years ago when he played in Houston at that level when he led the NFL in passing, then you're going to be a top five core. But right now, we haven't seen that in orange and brown yet. Yeah, and he says it specifically. If Deshaun gets back to his Houston level of play, Cleveland would fly up this list. Yeah. Boys, Al, your thoughts on the Browns at number 11 and their core? Yeah, both took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, obviously, all of this has to come down to, you know, can Deshaun get back to that form? Obviously, we all think he can. And based on what we saw last week, he will. Um, so, but no, the other players on this list, right? Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb. Denzel Ward, Joe Petonio, when all those guys got extensions before Deshaun was here uh, several years, you know, over the last few years, it was all in mind that those guys were the core. That was the talk of what they meant to this team when they were here. And so I wouldn't change the list of guys that he has on this uh, as our roster core. And I absolutely would have them higher than number 11, uh, assuming, you know, we see Deshaun able to get back to what he, the, the form he was at with the Texans. Next higher or lower on to mr poisel and number one the kansas city chiefs their roster core patrick mahomes travis kelsey defensive tackle chris jones center creed humphrey and guard joe thuny uh are they just right or should they be lower that core anthony poisel i don't really think you can argue against this at all i just think Pat Mahomes, the, the weight that he has on, on the entire roster and on, really on the entire league every game he plays is makes the Chiefs a good number one choice here. I think the Bengals and Eagles are super close to this spot here, um, but Mahomes is always going to lock the Chiefs in, into these kinds of power rankings. You know, Kelsey's still the top tight end in this league. Chris Jones, he's a top five de- defensive tackle. Creed Humphrey, probably the best center in the league. Joe Tooney, also one of the best at his position, too. So, um, but Mahomes is definitely the one that makes this a true number one core. So I, I don't have any where to where else to move this. They're definitely number one in my opinion. Bishop, right where they are, should they be lower based on the core? Well, if you're doing the core as a whole, I could argue they should be lower. But yeah. you're also waiting. I think what he's doing, and he says so kind of in this postscript, is he's waiting quarterback more, you know, giving it more weight, which is appropriate. Um, so if that's the case, then, yeah, I, I think it is. I think the number that I think is best about this to describe kind of like where the Chiefs are, their average core age is 28.6. The Bengals are second on list, and I agree that they should be second. Their average core age is 25.6. It's a so that's a three-year difference. The Bengals' best players, with the exception of Orlando Brown, are young dudes. So they're they're in a big window here in Cincinnati. Next, higher or lower? The Bengals are number two. The Eagles, number three. Their core, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Lane Johnson, Hassan Reddick, and Darius Slay. Takes us to number four and the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins core, Tua, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Waddell, and tackle Teron Armstead. Bishop. Higher, lower, or just right for the Miami Dolphins? I like two a lot, but can you imagine? Here's a hell of a what-if for you. Couldn't they have just taken Justin Herbert? Yes. So imagine if they had this roster and they had Herbert. And this is – I'm not doing this meant as a shot at Tua's talent because I think he proved last year when he's healthy he's really good. Yes. problem is he's never been healthy, going all the way back to Alabama. Armando, we had him on. It's not just a hip. He had an ankle at Alabama too. So he's had serious injuries 
literally his entire playing career going back to college. So that has to be weighed more, in which case I think maybe they ought to be a little bit lower just because I don't know how long Tua can stay upright. Um, but if they have – if you just take Justin Herbert and his health and put him on this team, you could argue Miami's number one. Poizel? Yeah, Bo, that's a great point about Herbert. This would be easily, I think, a top three, top two, maybe even number one uh, core if, if yeah. it had Justin Herbert in it. But every time we talk about the Dolphins in any kind of power rankings with this, it always comes back to Tua's health, and that's not going to change with where, what we're talking about right now. You know, I mean, no. you see that they've got, again, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. that with a healthy Tua is arguably the best receiving duo in the league, at least – that's the level that they played at the first half of the season last year when Tua was healthy. And then, you know, Jalen Ramsey, yeah, he's getting – he's definitely uh, – I think he's past 30 years old now. He's getting older, but he had a terrific season last year, and he's still going to be a huge boost for that defense. So I would actually not move the Dolphins on this list. But, again, it just all comes back to if Tua can stay healthy. When healthy, I do think this is a top-five core. I think they're right fit here at number four. Um but it's just all about his health, and that's just such a big question mark. So we'll see if, if he's able to stay healthy at all this season. I don't, I, it's, the history says I feel like some happen. of their other defensive players should be in the core. <laughs> I think could I, be. I don't know. Uh, I mean, the, the I only Bradley one defensive Chubb? player, they've got some solid yeah. players. Yeah, but, but it I also mean, just shows like Hills, this is how good Hill's probably the best overall receiver in football. Waddle is on a short list, and then you have to have the quarterback. Yeah, in the core, like he's the question mark. <laughs> you know, it's just huge, and it's just helpful. Yeah, I don't know what Armstead. He's good. Yeah. So, next, higher or lower? Buffalo is number five. Their core is Josh Allen, maybe Stephon Diggs, Von Miller, Tre'Davious White, and Matt Milano. Takes us to number six. Bo Bishop, uh, the Dallas Cowboys core. Dak Prescott, Micah Parsons, CeeDee Lamb, Zach Martin, Trevon Diggs. Higher, lower, or just right, Mr. Bishop? Mm. I would have them maybe a little lower. Um, really? Maybe just a touch. Um, Parsons and Lamb are elite. Martin's elite. Diggs is really good on the interception front, but he gives up a lot too. Um, and I wonder if, if Prescott's seen his best days in the rearview mirror. So I, I would probably move them down just a touch on this list um, in terms of who I would move. There's a bunch here. You know, the, the real anomaly here, and I, I, we're running up against it, so I'm going to bounce around just for a second here if you'll permit me. The real tough one in here is San Francisco at 10 because their core is as elite as it gets with Bosa, Trent Williams, McCaffrey, Kittle, and Warner, but they don't have a quarterback in their core. And they're the only team, you know, of the top 11, 12, that a quarterback is not in their core. So, like, what do you do with the 49ers? In fact, you got to go all the way down. When's the next time there's a team without a quarterback in their core? They might be the only I one on the list. I think the 49ers are the toughest team to rank on this list because how good can a core truly be without a quarterback? All right, I'm, gonna, I'm all the way down to – no. All right, you, the next time a quarterback doesn't make a core is 26 with Tampa Bay. So the 49ers are 10 without a quarterback in their core. Tampa Bay's the next team at 26 that doesn't have a quarterback in the core. Washington doesn't as well. That's it. They're, and then that's it. That's, that's the it. list. Everybody else has a quarterback in their core five. 
I feel like Seattle's core should be ranked higher. If we're talking big picture, Poizel, I'll, I'll defer to you here. I mean, Geno yeah, Smith, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Tariq Woolen, Charles Cross. It's just that can Geno stack it? Yes. That, that's the question you know. is can he repeat what he did last year? Then if he can, then I think their core absolutely should be bigger because then you look at all of their top positions, wide receiver, cornerback. I mean, you go at any of their positions on the roster and they have good players. It's all just about can Geno play just as well as he did last year. I don't I don't know if he'll be able to play better. Last year just seemed as good as Geno Smith could possibly play, and he is getting older. But if Geno can play what he played last year, then – Seahawks at 14. This is way too low on this list. And they honestly could be in the top 10. I'm going to give you another one. I think Baltimore is too high. We, we were talking about Miami with their quarterback issues with the health standpoint. When's the last time Lamar Jackson played a whole year? When did he play in December? I mean, it's been a long time <laughs> yeah. since he's been healthy for a whole year and, and hasn't missed games. I'll also add, he's got he's got a 1-3 playoff record it's it's a roster that looks good on paper but they haven't when have they been able to really prove it in the postseason? Yeah. And, and i will i will also tell you this um from an average core age the texans are at 23.4 with cj tunsell will anderson stingley and damian pierce Young eh, kids, yeah. not great but the one again that we've talked about in the offseason and it's a shame that jameson williams got suspended but him, Penny Sewell, Aiden Hutchinson, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Goff. Average core age, 23.6. Yeah, they're young. Both of those teams. Yeah. 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 All right. Good job, AP. Appreciate AP, come it, to the condo, buddy. Come to the condo. The undisclosed location. How long are you? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say you just gave it away. No, I didn't. We're going to be here until they drag us out. That's our so goal. That could be early That's July. Like. We'll, we'll see. Okay. Good talking to you, buddy. Appreciate it, guys. Talk to you. So much more to come. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Uh, I saw this quote from... uh, Burrow was asked, he's so tongue-in-cheek on everything. If you don't know him, it comes across such a different way. But he's he was asked what his goals are uh, this season. He said to be the best in the world. <laughs> he he came out, he said, he goes, Mahomes is the best. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, but you're uh, you're no slouch there, buddy. He's right there, but it's I do think it's fun. Like, what do you want him to say in those situations? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, here's I think the quote they're, on, looking, uh, they're looking for fodder for that whole contract extension. He said he's the best. You got to pay him like he's the he, best. Why? Why is there no contract? Yeah, Burrow on Pat Mahomes. I don't think there's any argument now. It's Pat until somebody has a better year than he's had. He's the one to knock off. Yeah, he is. He's, yeah, he's the king of the mountain at this point. But Burrow's had more as much success as anybody against him uh, with that Cincinnati core. I am surprised that deal's not done uh, with him yet, but um, we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. Interesting week with mini camps this week, so. And then the NFL kind of takes a little bit of vacation. We'll keep you updated on everything as the week goes along. We're back tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everybody. The next level's coming up next. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.